from the brilliant minds of bringing you the two-on-one project, These Are God's Favorite Idiots, an eight-part miniseries about God's favorite idiot, now currently streaming on one of the big old platforms. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Reverend Arthur Stewart. And I'm your other co-host, the Reverend Stephanie Kendall. (laughs) Hi. Almost forgot my own name. (laughs) Well, it's going well. Uh, We're we're talking God's Favorite Idiot. Um, We are. Yes. So this is your idea. You get to introduce why. Okay. Uh, uh, You know, I think that it's fun to try new things. We want to give uh, our deuces uh, a new way in which to engage us, maybe something a little bit shorter, something uh, a little lighter and upbeat. Sometimes when we bring in other people for two-on-one, there are it can go any number of ways and it's not always something that we are watching intentionally and, you know, it, it, and some things in life can take these conversations in lots of different ways. This is meant to be, to, you know, to bring out some of our funnier stories that we have told each other, but haven't necessarily told you all, uh, to talk a little bit about, uh, the church and to do so through the, the lens of God's favorite idiot, which is a new eight part mini series. Well, it's an, it's a first it's a season one, um, but there's eight episodes uh, on the red streaming station. That's right. It's uh, stars Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy, who are married in real life. Ben Falcone plays the titular favorite idiot of God. And Melissa McCarthy plays a character that can be best described as every Melissa McCarthy character. <laughs> it's a very Melissa McCarthy uh yeah character i'm gonna be in your face and kind of like chris farley and say a lot of swear words and generally not care and i love it and it's great and it's her and it's authentically her which i appreciate um even though this is not two-on-one specific it is uh, a, a sub-series for us it is still sponsored by jeff one row designs so head on over to jeff one row use the como pro- como proud the como proud see wow. oh already I am one of God's very favorite idiots. Uh, promo code two one 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 five two one one fifteen for fifteen percent off your entire store order. Jeff Wonro is not one of God's favorite idiots. I would argue it's that is one of God's favorite liturgical textile purveyors because they're just absolutely fantastic. Go to Jeff Wonro J E F F W U N R O W dot com after today's show. Buy stoles. Use our promo code. Make friends with everybody. Do that. All right. So episode one, uh, what, what, what did you think? So you, we meet, uh, we meet our cast of characters. We meet everyone who is, uh, we only don't meet everyone in the show in episode one. Um, but what did you think overall? It's a little wacky. Yeah. I mean, dead silence is great for podcasts. (laughs) I'm sorry. Would you re-ask that? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us in in a different way. Um. Okay, so God's favorite idiot episode one. These are half hour episodes, so we're gonna try and do this in a half hour too. Uh, and so God's favorite idiot episode one. You meet Clark and you meet Amelie. Am sorry, Emily. I can't even say it. She changes her name from Emily to Emily to an A because she wants wanted to see Amelie. <laughs> the like French film and changes it, which is such a good joke and so ridiculous. Um, but she sees Clark, the very opening of the show um, with Ben Falcone, we see Clark uh, get struck by lightning in a very particular storm that is just over him uh, in his backyard as he is feeding his cats. And then uh, 
he goes to work. One of his coworkers had seen him glow, um, which he was unaware that he did. She tells all of uh, Emily, Emily tells all the coworkers, uh, hey, Clark is glowing. Like, what is this? We got to watch out for him. Um, and the episode ensues. Arthur, what were your initial thoughts? So it's a, it's a little wacky. Um, it's a, I have, I, 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 I've made a commitment to watch it. Um, I don't know if I would have continued watching it after episode one. I will tell folks who may be watching this along with us that it gets better after episode one. It does. And this is clearly very much a married couple with a bunch of folk they love bullshitting with um, making a show together and reading about it like improvisation was totally allowed um, at all times. And you can kind of see it. And there's sometimes where it's like, oh, they're all just being mean because I think they're trying to make each other break. But I like the premise. I love how they treat their boss Frisbee. <laughs> and uh, overall, it's... There's a respectful disrespect for Frisbee. It's not even, like, respectful. It's just blunt hatred sometimes. And it gets worse and worse. And there's a thing in episode three, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but Spiff, what do you think? You're the one who picked this. Well, and I picked a whole name. I picked it before I even really started watching it, but it was like, what does it mean? There are so many times in which I feel like, not that God doesn't love me, but that I'm just an, like that I don't know what I'm doing, that I don't get all of this, that being called to the church is a really hard call, but it's a really cool and funny and fun call too. And, you know, our Bible is chocked full of not the best and brightest always. And so I really liked the premise of God's favorite idiot, which is uh, we're assuming this guy, Clark, who God has chosen to do, uh, we're unsure with yet, but um, but God has chosen. And so when you feel chosen, you know, you're, you feel like a favorite. And so I was like, I'm, I'm in, let's, let's see what's up. Well, so Clark isn't religious. He's not a minister. Yeah. He's not a practicing uh, theist, it seems. He probably has moralistic, therapeutic deism, like so many of us ultimately do, especially in social settings. Um, and I suppose he's not an atheist. What's interesting about the show and you and I is that uh, neither you nor I were raised religious. We yeah. both found faith and came into calling nearly simultaneously. Like not at the same time you and I, but like faith and call to ministry kind of developed side by side. Tell tell your story. Yeah. I mean, that it we very much I was like, oh, this is a this episode one is a, is a call story. It's a story about what it means to to from out of nowhere feel called by God to do some really intentional work. And so for me, I went uh I was in LA. I was 27. Um, had never grown up going to church at all. Like we are not a religious family. And uh, and to this day, I still think that my parents like just think I kind of joined a cult. Well, like, well why can't you come home for Christmas? Oh yeah. Like there's a real uh, like a curiosity about why I can't just like take off Christmas to come home because that's what you do. And that's what I did for years in the corporate world. Um, and so I started going to church um, and I lived in a real kind of like Melrose placey apartment building in which like 
all of us were friends. All of us had our doors open at any given. We all had keys to each other. I would wake up like I lived alone in my apartment, but like all of a sudden I would wake up to French toast being made because Raul, who lived above me, would be he's like, I was out of eggs. So he's like, I wake up to him like cooking in my <laughs> kitchen and uh, we would have big dinners. And there was uh myself, Sadath, Raul, Dan, uh, Kelly, Michael, and, and we were all just friends and like hanging out at any given time in any one of our apartments. And we were a brunch crew. Like we were like brunching was our, was our ritual. Brunching very much every Sunday, uh, was what we did to kind of both close and start our week. And so when I started going to church and it was like, the worst part about church has always been that it is right in the middle of brunch. Mm -hmm. Like truly it's the thing I would change the most about worship is that I would make worship a Sunday evening thing, settle your mind, settle your space, get you ready for the week to come and like let brunch be what it is. A spectacular, glorious communal event. Because I'm pretty sure no one from my church will listen to this sub series. I'm going to tell you what our wicked devious plan is as we start a second service. We want the middle space between services. Like when we do community luncheons, we want to turn it into community brunch. Love it. Literally we ask both services to be shorter on the days we have it. So then we have brunch at like 10 AM and you either come for worship and go to brunch or go to brunch and stay for worship. <clears throat> because brunch it. is a holy marvelous thing you it can have savory it's homophobic that we don't allow for <laughs> it is right. that it's we don't allow for uh, brunch to flourish <laughs> see god's favorite idiots this is why we're doing this favorite um, so anyways i was missing brunch i would always come we would go to the abbey or like my friends Carrie and Danielle and I, we like i would like we there i have a couple brunch crews and so Whoever I was going with, though, I was always like all of a sudden I was kind of showing up late, right? Like I'd show up around 1230 rather than 11 and have to play catch up because everyone's, you know, an hour and a half into bottomless mimosas. And so I and I wouldn't tell them where I was going at first um, because most of my friends uh, my entire life have been at least part of or adjacently a part of the queer community and historically uh the church has not been kind to them um and so and that was a lot of the reason why I stayed out of church too I didn't know that church could be loving or uh caring or inclusive and so I found a church that was but it took me a really long time to figure out how to even talk about it um, because I knew something was happening in me, but I, I still didn't even have the language to share that with others. Um, and <laughs> so it led to, it led to, we talked about this beforehand. It led to your Melchizedek moment. Oh, my Melchizedek moment. Yeah. All right. Explain the Melchizedek moment. Cause you just dropped it. And that's, that is the name of this episode. Okay. The Melchizedek. That we're naming this episode, not the, the name of the episode. Right. Uh, the Melchizedek moment is this in Genesis, Abraham is like called into covenant with God and Abraham is like, Oh, I don't even know if he's Abraham yet or if he's Abram and God knows I could have looked this up, but I did it because God's favorite idiot. Um, and as Abraham or Abraham is wandering, here comes Melchizedek. Who's like, Oh yeah, I serve your God too. And Abram's like, I was called to a particular covenant. And Melchizedek's like, yep. Yahweh. Awesome. Later. 
And it's just my favorite thing in the world of like, oh, the church outside of our normativity and the church outside of our expectations exists. And yeah. God might even show it to us if we're willing. Yeah. And so I found that re- exactly. And so I felt called. And then I eventually told people, which is what I can only imagine in my life is the closest to like a coming out moment of being like, people being like, where are you? And I'm like, well, okay, sit down. I have to tell you something. <laughs> I I, I think I might be Christian. I, I've been going to church and everyone was just like, <gasps> like it was, I lost friends over it. I, like truly. Um, and so it it was something that I like had to really commit to. Like it took me a minute to realize I wanted to commit to it. And, um, and I did, and I have, and, uh, and then weirdly enough, like our entire like home all started going to that church too. Like Raul's a deacon at that church and like still 10 years later. And so I'm really excited uh, about that. And so that's kind of how I got here. Excellent. I like that. What about you? What's your call? Um, so I lived in Iowa city for a couple of years. I was crazy. Like I, I just, I snapped and in hindsight, I had a complete and utter nervous breakdown and did not treat it. And instead just lived in like this fractured life for another year until I had another nervous breakdown and then came to the church. Great. Well, no. So I, I had a terrible relationship with a roommate of mine. And I realized the less time I spent at home, the better. So I started attending a Quaker meeting. And I would just hide out. Um, and I was the guy who fell asleep in the back of Quaker meetings because I was exhausted. Um, and I think I encountered the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot to talk about with improvisation and the spirit and group mind. And like my first encounter with her was when I was 17 at a show that I do not remember, but it was probably the best show I've ever had. And I, I legitimately think that was a, a theophany or a pneumophony. I don't know what the word would be, Um, but that led me to applying to work at a summer camp I went to as a kid. It was a religious summer camp, but I was not religious. Uh, Worked for that camp for about a month before I was fired for using inappropriate language with my subordinates. Um, There's a story I won't tell because this is kind of, I know I already said the the, the word once, but whatever. I'll tell you the story when we're done with it. Needless to say, I was ironically fired for using inappropriate language with my subordinates. Um, In that time, though, I met the church that would call me to be their youth director because I didn't care about pay and I had no idea what I was doing. That was God's favorite idiot right there, where I was teaching the Bible by staying just like a chapter ahead in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures for Beginner's Book and then the New Testament for Beginner's Book. And that led to prayerfully considering a call to ministry and prayerfully considering seminary. Um, And one day I was sitting in an education class because I was going to be a middle school history teacher. I still threaten to be one when I'm having a bad day at the church. And I just realized I don't want to do anything else but do ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I can do anything else. I'm walking out of that class to the registrar's office to drop it. Uh, I tomahawk chucked my books into a dumpster and the professor was like right behind me. And I don't regret it because she was a terrible professor. Yeah, well, but then that leads to seminary in Texas and serving a church where I was gay. And I was, I don't know if I was in the closet or not. I was not open about who I was. Uh Um, 
and uh, then living a more authentic lifestyle. Look at that. See, God uses God's favorite idiots. Yeah. I, I told, once I told people that I, uh, you know, was going to church, like that was the big thing. And then I just like never left. It was like, the joke was that like, I stepped foot into church and then like never left it. Um, although there were years in which my, my God's favorite idiot years were the years in which I was just one of the young adults trying to figure life out, trying to figure all of this out. And like, there's a night, oh God, I don't even, I mean, I'll tell this story, but forgive me those of you out there, I won't name names who's <laughs> there, but it was like a big, like a bunch of us, uh, young adults, like, prof- you know, we're professionals, like there's kids involved, but we all, there was a camp that this church had and we all uh, went and it was right across from a brewery. And so we would go get these giant, um, like jugs of beer and just lay at the beach and drink them. And the church was fine with it. Like where they were like, yeah, drink a beer, have, have a good time. Just don't be like a drunk asshole. And so we weren't, but we all really solidified that friendship. And then, and there was probably 12 of us like in that group, like a really solid group that were every Sunday we were in worship. We were worship leaders. We were deacons and you know, all of that. Um, And but then like one Sunday, we all, we started to become like, not just church friends, but like friend friends. And then did some, like we would go to like the horse races, get very drunk, stay out all night. And then all of us would make a pack that you had to go to church in the morning. So we would roll in 12 deep giant sunglasses, just hung over <laughs> like a true squad, like coming into church and being like, we are here. But there, and has be, there has to be room for that, right? There has to be room for that. But like, we were looked down as God's favorite, you know, like those idiots over there aren't taking this seriously. But what we were doing was building community in ways that to this day those people will come to New York or they came to Texas and they stayed with me and these weren't like lifelong friends these were friends that I had for like a year of my life that was so meaningful that truly helped me discern this overall call well and it's a I think I think what we forget about is that people in their 20s have to push the church's boundaries like that's literally the role of a person in their 20s once you are done with youth group and until you are 30 years old your job is to be just a big chaotic mess and a congregation that does it right is going to care for you and be like, yep, you reek of cigarettes and vodka. You clearly had a really good night last night. This bread is broken for you. Please take a shower. And tell me about it. Tell me about your life. Because uh, some of my favorite things were like, then like some of the older people in, or like more established people in the community would come up and be like, what did you guys get into last night? And we we're like, oh, let us tell you how we ended up at the ravine pretending like we were in Greece. Cause it was always like really kind of naive fun, you know, like it was fun and like we'd bar hop and whatever, but like the, like the thing that like tipped you over the, like why you were out at 6am was just like, you did something dumb, but it was funny, dumb, like not, it was never like malicious or mean like it was just just, or or even really dangerous it was just like fun and funny and we're like oh we you know we spent all our money at the bar so we didn't and we didn't want to drive home so we walked the seven miles back home and my shoe broke because I was in these ridiculous heels so then I just took them off and that's why my foot's like bloody (laughs) like you know it's like those those things and they're like oh to be young again you know and like it was engagement saying like tell us who you are what you are shaking up in this community needs to be shaken. And like, 
And then things from there, like this guy, uh, I don't want to name names, but this one man came over and was like, tell me about it. And he's like, wow, you guys sound really fun. And then he was like, would you ever want to read scripture? And I was like, why is that the, uh, the thing? And so, um, so what was that first scripture you read? Honestly, couldn't tell you. Okay. What's the first scripture you preached? John nine, the blind man in, uh, in Dr. Poppy's class, it's his first, he makes you do a, that's your first sermon if you take homiletics and I did not preach before I took homiletics because I don't know if you know this about me, but I was never called to be a preacher and I never want to preach. So says Spiff years ago, who just God's favorite idiot gets pulled out of that. I preach once and I was like, Oh, 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 this is dangerous. This is something I very much like. Uh, and then felt that call too, but like, I'll just name it. Dan was Dan at first church and at first congregational church, who's lovely. My housekeeper's vacuuming. So Dan at First Congregational Church of Los Angeles is uh, lovely, and he was one that was like very much interested in who we were as the younger people, you know. Like, and not that Danny's even that much older than us. He was just like had been in the church longer, and we ended up uh, me, him, and my other friend Michael ended up doing an, an entire Bible study together, and we did it chronological uh, in story so we start with job and that you know and like things like that um which was i don't know where we got it from but that's how we did it it was like one of those bible gateway like read along with us things um but then i was like oh i like learning about the bible i like being in this community and then one day someone was like have you ever thought about seminary and i was like get away from me satan <laughs> and uh and then I went to my pastor and was like, what do you think? And they were like, that's a bad idea. And then when someone tells me it's a bad idea, I'm generally like, I should probably do that. So here I am. Shanna Sides will even confirm that I like, they asked like, Shanna, what do you think? Stephanie's applying to seminary. And she was like, bad idea. So the pastor I worked for, the marvelous pastor, Carol Devon, who just celebrated her 80th birthday. Uh, I went to Carol and I said, I think I need to go to seminary. And you know what she said to me? And she lied. She said, you don't go to seminary and don't become a minister. And that's not true, Carol. But I was under the impression that I had to. So part of my discernment was then, how do I be clergy? So it's her fault. Well, yeah. But here I mean, we are. I, and here we are, God's favorite idiots being... Uh, uh, bringing about beautiful idiocy to the well, world. So but I think it's I think it's an important thing to understand too. Like you and I both had lives that were not. You and I both have met those kids who are like raised in the church, and like it's very clearly God is at work in them, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, there's, in fact, a fan of this show who attends Vanderbilt Divinity School who is very much like church kid. Hi, Graham. Please come on the show. We'd love to have Hi, you. Um, and see, this is the trick. Now we'll see if like we have crossover audience. Um, <laughs> But like, there's some kids who are like, like, they're just from day one, you're like, oh, this kid's a leader and the church affirms a call on this person's heart. And like, they'll probably just be the, the high school, college, seminary ordained path. Great. And that's good. And that's holy. And then there's people like you and me <laughs> who like, if I could travel back in time 20 years and stop 17 year old Arthur Stewart and say, hey, 
Uh, I'm the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I live in Kansas where I'm serving a congregation as their pastor. And I'm really good at the Bible, especially First uh, and Second Corinthians, which you're going to be doing a study on. Ding! <laughs> for the next, uh, you know, like, like, look at how weird your life is. What does it mean that a a a um a movie producer and a jazz musician got called into this and seemed to be doing okay? Girl, like if you go back, when I go back home and as I'm going uh, home in a little bit, uh, back to California, it is one of those things where people are like, Smith's a minister? Like, oh, yeah. Like, like what? Like people that have, for whatever reason haven't heard, like, or, you know, maybe thought it was a joke because like my freshman year of high school, I dressed up as a nun and threw Bacardi on people and said the power of Christ compels you like, like that. I did not take the church seriously because the church is really harmful in a lot of different ways. And I had not reconciled that or I had better yet. I hadn't been invited in to know any different. Right. Okay. So can we talk about that? Because I was dying, dying for someone to talk to me about Christianity because I was not raised in the church. Yeah, exactly. Because it was never offered. Yeah. And it wasn't until a teacher in high school who did not violate the establishment clause. He did not. I said to him, I like your faith. Can you tell me more about it? Uh, And he said, why don't you read this book by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, and we'll talk about it. Mm, Yeah. did, and he trusted me with it, and I kept his copy of it. I mailed him a new one, but I kept the old one. But it was, it's that. And then we'll talk about evangelism in a couple episodes, right? Um, But right, you were never invited in. So you had to get your call from God, and God still does it. Oh God. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than like, I can't, there's nothing else that I can do. Even though I have lots of gifts, I can do lots of different things. Uh, but it, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that is an insane thing for me now to be saying as someone who has uh, openly mocked the church most of my life, because I'm, you know, didn't even come to the church until again, late twenties and I'm not that old yet. So I mean, yeah. And God was, I fought it tooth and nail. And it's a, and I think there's, there's all kinds of, I, I always understood with call. This was a pastor Caroline. She said, there's, there's three kinds of people. There's three kinds of calls. One, there's the theophanous call where like the clouds part and the light shines or lightning strikes and you glow like God's right. direct intervention on somebody. Right. Two is the church calls you. The church might call you by you get hired as a youth director and kind of bum around for a while. And then it's like, you should go into ministry or because you're in the church, you're able to see it. And like, you can put your gifts to work and like, it's in the context of community and that's fine. Or it's the kids raised in the church. And I want to make it clear. I'm not like Graham and folks like you, you're great. And we're so glad. And the church is so blessed. It would have been so much easier for me to, to know it growing up. Right. And the ones that are dangerous are the ones who call themselves. And um, those are the folk who, you know, well, I've always gone, I've always gone to church. So why wouldn't I do this? Or, well, I'd be great at it. Or we'll talk more about them as the. Those are just God's idiots. They're still yeah. gods. <laughs> well, they're not, they're not God's idiots. And I think God can only work in idiots is what our witness tells us. Or there has to be a level of humility. There has to be a foolishness to it. There does. And I mean, I like, uh, I don't know, sorry for a little bit of background noise right now, but uh, I applied to seminary the night, one of my roommates that I talked about in that big 
thing the night he died. Our Melrose Place place. He uh, was 30 years old and had a heart attack and died. Um, And he was in the car with one of our other roommates. He was driving and uh, had the heart attack while driving and Raul broke his back and I was the first one called and I had to come down there and and sit with them. And they sent and uh, both Raul and Sadath, uh, Sadath was gay, uh, is, is in the ether still gay. <laughs> uh, Raul is also. And they sent a chaplain to us sitting in the uh, like waiting room. And the chaplain was so toxic, like just so bad. And I called Ryan Stites, shout out to Ryan Stites, who was my pastor. And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but it's not good. I, I need, I need someone. And it was the first time I was like, this is the, I was like, this is why I'm in the church because I had someone to call for the first time in my life. That wasn't like my mom or my dad, you know, like, like my best friend, it was someone to say, I need this particular uh, community to be present with me. And they were, and the toxicity is also in part what pushed me. And I went home that night and applied to Bright Divinity School. So we're going to, we're going to get to talk more about this. And it's always going to be light in this. Somehow this episode. It's good. Yeah. So the first episode of God's favorite idiot, I think the couple of highlight points, we hope you've watched it by this point, but here's the deal with Clark, Emily finds Clark and she believes him and she becomes an ally to him. And then his coworkers become a community and arguably they become a church. They become a congregated body uh, that Clark affects. Um, but we'll talk more about it and we'll talk more about your story and my story too, as we just get to know each other better as God, God's favorite idiots. Um, yeah, I do want to remind you, we have a sponsor. Yeah. It's Jeff Wonro designs. You may think I need a miter or a chasuble or a cope or a parent or a frontal or an altar accessory or a face mask or a stolen good news. Jeff Wonro designs can hook you up. Go to J E F F W U N R O W.com. They'll hook you up for money, money that's exchanged for goods, but it's the best, not just a good, um, use our discount code two on one, one five T W O O N O N E one five at checkout for 15% off your entire stole order. What are we doing next week? Uh, episode two, uh-huh. <laughs> episode two of, uh, this, this mini project still under the two on one project network, uh, of, of podcasts. And, uh, we'll talk episode two and I think a little bit of Bible and study and what does it mean to, to get people to believe you? Oh, I like it. Okay. Well, on behalf of, uh, God's favorite idiots. And two-on-one. We'll see you next time, deuces. Bye. Get more two-on-one at twoononeproject.com.